electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Karen Feinerman, and Guy Dami. The Dow surging today to end the quarter, having its best start of the year since 2013. But if you missed the party, don't worry. The chart master will tell you the one Dow stock to buy to catch this rally. Plus, healthcare stocks hanging back, the worst performing sector so far this year. Check out some of the big losers. The traders will tell you which ones are beaten down buys. But first, the big story of the day. Check out shares of Lyft surging in its first day of trading, making its public debut right here at the NASDAQ. Let's go out to Deidre Bosa for all the details. Hey, Deidre. Hey, Melissa, that's right. Shares of Lyft popping more than 8% on its debut. That's a good signal for the company and a good signal for the IPOs to come. But of course, this story is just getting started. Remember, Snap, on its first day of trade, those shares pop nearly 50%. And a few months later, it was back below that IPO price. There was also Groupon, another hyped up tech name that was loss making uh, and profitable. It surged some 30% in its debut. And just a few weeks later, uh, it had lost all of those gains. Now, the point is, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but that this story is just getting excited and they're getting started. And there was a lot of excitement over these names, but they struggled um, after they became public companies. And there are still a lot of questions about Lyft, such as its path to profitability and its dual class structure if things do go sideways. This morning, though, co-founder Logan Green telling Andrew Ross Sorkin that its corporate governance will actually set them up for long-term growth. Collectively, we really uh, need to set the company up for this long-term opportunity and to create the type of durable growth that we're going after. Now, Uber, on the other hand, will go public with a one-share, one-vote structure. We are anticipating that IPO as early as April. So, so far, Melissa, we have one day to judge Lyft on, and it has been a good start. That should bode well for Uber, at least when it's trying to get its valuation. Back to you. All right, Deidre. Thank you, Deidre Bosa, joining us from San Francisco. Despite the euphoria today, the market remains in a vulnerable state. So is Lyft about to lift stocks to new highs? Uh, Will the IPO parade reignite this rally? A lot of questions. I don't well, want to confuse you, guys, because you're prone I mean, to confusion I, I when there's so many questions. But it's also worth noting that Lyft shares open higher by 20 percent, finish the day higher by 8 percent. So I don't know how that. Yeah, I was actually surprised. Mix. I don't know how other people feel, but I was surprised that it closed below 80 bucks. I thought for whatever reason, $80 was an interesting mm-hmm. level for the syndicate to sort of step in. I guess, you know, I don't know how the whole IPO world works now, but I'm surprised it closed below 80. I don't think that's that big a deal in terms of what it means for the broader market. Uh, We're going to talk about Larry Kudlow. Obviously, that had much more meaning. But I think the fact that people will be talking, you know, over the weekend, people will be talking about this Lyft IPO. I think it's reinvigorated some of the retail interest. Jim Cramer's talked about that as well. We can argue whether or not valuations make sense. I don't think that's the point of this conversation. But I do think it's given a renewed interest to the marketplace after a long time of not seeing deals of this magnitude. Or what does it say about where we are in the tech trade at this point? I mean, if people are willing to reach for growth, reach for a company that doesn't make any money. I think, right. So reach for growth is exactly the right term here. It's because we've talked about it. When you take 
like you look at the QQQ or you look at some of the NASDAQ stocks, that's where this kind of idiosyncratic growth is going in a low growth world. Investors are going to go after names like this. They don't care if they make money necessarily, but if they have growth, revenue growth, that's what they worry. So I think it's very consistent what's going on with the market. But to Guy's point, it's really it's a sentiment boost, right? If this thing failed, broke the IPO price today, that could have been really negative for the market. But sentiment wise, really positive for stocks. I think it's good for stocks. It's good for companies that do the offerings, right? That's a lot of trading revenue. That's a lot of fee revenue. So that's great for the, you know, the, the investment banking and equity desks of, of Wall Street. But when it comes to Lyft, I just, I look at the numbers. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I mean, I like the product. I look at they've, the metrics are going the right way. They went from losing 200% of revenue to losing 50% of revenue, which is an enormous leap. However, I mean, I, I don't really get how something's got to give, right? The revenue growth is great. The pricing of the product or something, or they need to run it much more efficiently. I don't know what it is that, and it's going to get me more competitive. Well, look, I, so I don't, I don't get it. I, you know, to me, I, I actually, I don't need to own Lyft right here and now, but I have to tell you that I think this IPO is important, not because I think it signals uh, that there's a ton of unicorns on the sidelines, retail's waiting to get in. I, I just think that transportation as a service is is a new is a new investment. Uh, you know, doctrine, Paradise. whatever we want to call this, but and and Lyft to me, look, this is not Snap, and and I repeat, I'm not a Lyft bull. In fact, I I didn't try to buy the company, I didn't try to get into the IPO, but but they're growing, they are growing. I mean, they went from 20% market share to 40% market share. Yeah, they're losing more money, but but look at the addressable market here. And and you guys had a really smart conversation yesterday, which talked about also, but how about a Google with Waymo and and where the legacy mega cap players are already maybe threats to these guys before. Before they ever get out of the gates. But it's important just to point out where transportation as a service is a new investable place in the same way social media was. And th- this is not Snap. It's right. not. I mean, when I go to Google Maps and I type in Guy Adami's house, if I wanted to go there from here, it will tell me already. How Are there a lot of statues there. out front, like marble, <laughs> like, you know, fountains, fountains, large metal gates? Um, yeah. but, but it already tells me how to get there. And there's only a, a, a little, a, another piece to that to that part of the puzzle for transportation as a service for Google yes. right. with the that's, deep pockets, with the, with the Waymo to get in. And that's what I think we, we you yeah. know, Dan Nathan, who will be on the next show, Options Actions, which I watch religiously, <laughs> he made that point last night. So, you know, you talk about valuation, it does make sense. It is probably alphabet at these levels. But, you know, to Tim's Ooh. point, they, they've created a new, well, new asset class, but a new, a new sector, effectively, and people are going to want to be in it. Now, the math clearly doesn't work, but Tim talked about addressable market. I think the number was $1.2 trillion. Even if it's $750 billion, the upside for Lyft and Uber is tremendous. So, yes, valuation is crazy here, but the fact that now analysts are talking about it, Dan Ives has an $80 price target on it, at a certain point, this becomes a very compelling story. It's, it's, it's also, I mean, think about the people that have backed these two companies. So I'll throw Uber into the mix, too. Obviously, there's a huge soap opera going on between these two companies. But there's also some of the biggest investors in the world that are lined up behind these two companies. These two companies raised more capital than anybody else um, in, in private equity history, effectively. And that tells you something about where some of the smartest guys in private equity actually believe the size of this market. That they want to get out? That's good, for the, that's good for them. I mean, right. I think that's the saddest something each of these companies... Uber and Lyft have raised more venture capital money before going public than any other company that has gone public 
in history. Stayed private longer. Which is so great for those early investors, but what does it mean for Joe? So that's Smith the scary part, well, right? So you've got to separate, yeah. Yeah. is there a short-term yeah. trade here, or what's the long-term threats? Long-term threats, Google, Amazon, everybody comes in, drives the price to zero. But in the short term, you actually do have a window here that might be interesting for Lyft. You have Uber coming out in April. They're going to want to keep valuations relatively elevated to get that deal out. Number two, in May 15th, you have the first earnings announcement from Lyft. If you look at a lot of these uh, past IPOs, when the first earnings announcement came out, that generally didn't mark the top, but that's where all of a sudden Wall Street came in and started to look at the metrics more, uh, more thoroughly. So I think for the next 30 days, you actually have an interesting opportunity to buy Lyft. By the way, the carpet here is from the Lyft IPO. It's beautiful it's here. It's not that we, we renovated it or redecorated or okay. chose this color. It's nice. Speaking of Guy's house, I would imagine this is your living room. Well, it's funny. What I was going to say was this looks like your dorm room in college. I mean, it's like... Nice laugh track. Yeah. Yeah. Laugh I like track. The, the tinge of sarcasm in the laugh track. No tinge. <laughs> a very busy day today. We want to talk about the other big story that hit White House advisor Larry Kudlow on Power Lunch with a message to the Fed. Cut rates now. Take a listen. First of all, when did you change or, or decide that a 50 basis point rate cut is, is appropriate here? Well, look, um, I am echoing the president's view. He's um, not been bashful about that view. He would also like the Fed to cease shrinking its balance sheet. And I concur with that view. Uh, Looking at some of the indicators, I mean, the economy looks fundamentally quite healthy. We just don't want that threat. Uh, There is no inflation out there. So I think the Fed's actions um, were probably overdone. I mean, let me make a point here. This is our view. This is his view. This is my view. Federal Reserve's independent central bank. They're going to do what they're going to do. But um, somebody asked me and I responded to it. (laughs) All right. So what's interesting is that he he later on, when press, said that this would be a protective measure, that the economy is actually fundamentally strong. But there is signs of slowdown around the world and that just to be sure, to make sure that this economic growth is not interrupted, he wants 50 basis points cut. Does this add up? (laughs) No, I don't get it at all for so many reasons. Right. If. What he's saying is true, that the U.S. economy is doing great, and I believe the U.S. economy is in good shape. If that is the case, then why do you need this protective 50 basis point, which is a big, that is a big move in this market, a very big move. Why do you need that now, right? It makes no sense to me. Don't you want to have some protection for when you don't have a good market, right? When the economy is slower, you want to have something left. So I don't really get that at all. To me, it's a, it's just let's goose the economy as much as we possibly can until se- yeah. November of 2020. And the then election. who cares? Mm. Just get reelected. Do whatever it takes. Don't yeah. worry about don't worry about deficits. Don't worry about I, I, I don't get it at all. Yeah, as, as, a, as a crypto Bitcoin investor, I couldn't have asked for better news in this sense. So I'm a bit mixed because I think it's the wrong move economically. We don't need a 50 basis point rate cut. And the best we what we need is a steeper yield curve. That would help. The Fed could effectuate that. Uh, but in terms of where the economy is, I think a 50 basis point, if Monday morning they came out and cut rates by 50 basis point, I think you'd have a panic in the, in the market. I think investors would have to reevaluate what what is the Federal Reserve seeing that, wait a second, maybe the economy is weaker than we expected. Or what is the Federal Reserve's role here? I mean, come on, Larry knows better than this. I'm sorry. You know, look, healthy does not equal accommodating policy. If anything, we've heard from the Fed that we are trying to get to neutral policy. In fact, we got within a range. And whether the Fed has been good at communicating or not, the Fed has a mandate. 
They have a mandate on growth. They have a mandate on inflation. They don't have a mandate on being tactical. They don't have a mandate about maybe preempting a downward move. Um, they also, by the way, now suddenly we're so worried about the rest of the world that actually our, our policy is going to come under, um, I think, undue influence from the rest of the world. Look, China has some, some issues. China has certainly been slowing. The rest of the world's been slowing. Um, but it's not at a case where we see U.S. GDP falling off the map. It may be hurting. Look, let's face this. This is a political statement. This is ultimately a place where we're getting into an election season. Um, and we all know elections have been won and lost based upon the economy. Um, you could get back to and say, hey, look, um, should we have cut taxes a year ago? Um, and, and again, I, I'm not sure that we needed that tax cut a year ago. By the way, wouldn't it be great to be cutting taxes now, possibly? Wouldn't that have been a better opportunity? So, you know, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm disheartened by these kinds of comments coming out of Larry Kudlow, because I think Larry knows better. For what it's worth, the markets did go to session high. I mean, I don't want to make too much amount out of a molehill in terms of a, you know, a couple points move on the S&P 500, but session highs on the back of those comments. Quarter end, they, you know, Larry trots out, which is great. And we say Larry because we all know him for many years. We're not trying right. to be disrespectful, number one. Number two, you know, this it's America first. I get it. America first. I'll play the game. But America first or the citizens first. 73% of the, this economy is driven by us buying things. Mm -hmm. If the U.S. dollar gets stronger, that's great for all of us. The Fed, in a global weakening environment, in my opinion, has an opportunity to strengthen the United States by raising rates as counterintuitive as that might sound, but makes our dollar much stronger, makes our buying power much better. It might hurt the stock market, but the stock market's not the economy. And the fact that they keep parading out here trying to prop up the market, to me, is a real problem. You mentioned the yield curve, and theoretically it should help on the shorter end if you're cutting 50 basis points. Do you think, but do you think that that would actually be isolated to the shorter end of no, the yield curve? No, that's the problem, and that's, right? That's that the concern. That was my question to Larry. That, it's also, exactly. I, mean, I, I think if you, if you cut the short end, the whole yield curve is going to shift lower. It's still going to remain flat. They'd be better off. They've got a really big balance sheet. If they want lower rates on the short end, they'd be better off selling their 10-year and 30-year positions and then buying two-year and under. Sort of that would steepen. Sort of it's a reverse operation twist or rot. Again, these are all crazy. Rot. Yeah, rot. Reverse, it's a, operation, reverse operation twist. ROT. Like that term. But you do a rot type of thing. That would steepen the yield curve. It would get you your lower rates on the short end. That's what I would do. Well, we saw the curve shift down by 50 bits. So just to leave it, I think we kind of already priced some of this stuff in. Stephen Moore was out there two days ago. Coming up, stocks having their best quarter in a decade, but healthcare is hanging back. The traders will tell you which of the biggest losers are beaten down buys and later a strange reversal. Wells Fargo initially jumping after CEO Tim Sloan said he's stepping down, but the stock falling today. And one of our traders says it could be a big warning sign. He'll explain. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Welcome back to Fast Money. Healthcare is flatlining this year. The group is the worst performing sector in 2019, up just 6%. This after it was the best performing sector in 2018. Check out some of the sickest stocks in the sector. Biogen, the biggest loser, down 20%. CVS, Cigna, Bristol, all falling hard as well. So we thought this would be the perfect time to play one of America's favorite games. America's not overstating that. Trade it or fade it. All right, I think we understand the rules by now. It's been a while. 
Um, so, Guy, we're going to go straight to you. Love this game. Biogen down 21%. Trade it or fade it? Trade it means I want to buy, buy it, it, right? No, I'm just making sure, Melissa, because I don't want to confuse the people at all. <laughs> well, trade it, Mel! Very good, You'll be like, what are you, nuts? I mean, that, that, that yeah. Alzheimer's thing, that was huge for them. And yes, it was huge for them. But I said it a couple weeks ago when it happened. Alzheimer's is the holy grail out there for these, for these biotech and pharmaceutical companies. Okay, they missed. There are other things there. They just announced a $5 billion stock repurchase plan. Valuation is ridiculous. You had huge volume on that big whoosh day. I think it traded close to 22 million shares, which is nuts for Biogen. They might be in the crosshairs of an acquirer, or they might acquire themselves. So I say trade it. Hey, look, I, I hate to push back on push you on back. a day when your tie is the same color as the carpet. Um, but look, you know, I, I, Biogen, like all of the big biotech stocks, even with the great balance sheets and the ability to buy back stock, ha- have done largely nothing. Uh, Biotech's outperformed with the smaller names, the ones actually that have either one or two drugs that are in the pipeline. Um, This doesn't help the pipeline at all. If anything, it puts more pressure on them to do a deal. And as much as I've liked this sector, too, I'm frankly, I'm getting kind of tired of this routine. I I don't see a lot there. I I think it's dead money. I think it's dead money for a while until they, yeah, I I would fade it. I think that's how we play the rules. I think you fade it, you leave it alone, you let it wilt on the vine. If you want to be in the biotech sector, maybe go to the, uh, the NASDAQ biotech ETF because those are the ones that are going to be acquired. That's the way I would play. So the XBI. XBI, I believe it is. All right, next up, Tim. Yes. CVS, down 17% year to date. Trade it or fade it? I'm going to trade this one. Look, this has been a very sick stock. It's been a sick stock ever since they acquired Aetna, and and it looked like they were creating this new blueprint for how you actually put pharmacy and healthcare together. Uh, And then this deal that happened earlier in the week, the one that's been announced, so the WellCare deal uh, directly competes, and it's a contract that actually could probably not get renewed for CVS, by the way, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's a low-margin contract for them. I think people have priced a lot of bad news in here. And frankly, at this point, this is a company that actually has a lot of cost savings, uh, and they're going after the assisted care business, which is probably the place a lot of these guys want to be. I kind of want to own this one here. Trade it. Because it's so bad, it's good. I mean, maybe. That could be. There could be a balance here. I'm just so afraid of the PBM business, right, which is such big exposure for them that... Maybe it bounces. It's cheap. It's a well-run company, but I really don't want to have that exposure mm. to the PBMs. All right. Guy? It's been grim death since the <laughs> summer of 2015. It's been basic, right? I mean, if you look, it's just been straight down. So I don't know what's going to change. But if Tim wants to trade it, you know, by the rules, be my guest. He's not going to trade my Biogen. I'm not going to trade a CVS. <laughs> so there. Nice, nice. Uh, faded. Faded. Yeah, it was the Tide It was the Tide comment, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This one's for Chairwoman. Cigna, right. it's down 15% this year. Trade it or fade it? Well, it's really very similar to the CVS story. They did the Express Scripts deal, right? That's a PBM. I'm really afraid of that business. I mean, I, I, I also, with the, all the talk of Obamacare being repealed or not, I actually think at the end of the day it will not be repealed. So all of these may bounce, but it'll just be a bounce on that. I'm yeah. trading I, or fading? Sorry. I'm so, fading. I, there's a long-winded oh, way of not right. answering the question. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you, Chairwoman. I think you fade this. I think the, the pharmacy benefit manager exposure is a problem. I mean, it is in the crosshairs. It is. If you talk about who's the evil one raising drug prices, it's the pharmacy benefit managers in the eyes of the politicians. I just don't want to be anywhere near it. You fade it. 
All right. Bristol Myers Squibb, mm. down 8% this mm-hmm. year. This one's for Beakers. Trade it or fade it. You know what? I'm going to go four for four. I'm going to fade this one. And I'll tell you why. It actually got some decent news today. They, they, they were able to get some of the uh, activists out of there. Everybody agreed on one thing, but the stock went nowhere, right? So, again, like every other name in this sector, it looks horrible. They're wilting on the vine. That's not something BK wants to buy. He's like the Dan Nathan of Friday night. A lot of wilting. Night. Today, yeah. Yeah. A lot of vines. Yes, please. Oscar it really is. Salty, salty Brian. Salty yeah. BK. Salty BK today. For more on the healthcare trade and what is next for the stocks, uh, go to tradingnation.cnbc.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. Not so fast, Regina. One trader says stay out of the mall. He'll explain why he thinks retail could be the next trade to crack. Plus... Stocks having their best quarter in a decade. And the traders will tell you how to cash in on your winning trades. There's much more Fast Money right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for a buzzkill. Wells Fargo with a big reversal in the last 24 hours. Shares jumping as much as 3% after CEO Tim Sloan announced he was stepping down from the role last night. But then the stock quickly fell today, even as the rest of the market rallied, ending lower 2%. So is this a bad sign? Yeah, and we talked about it last night because you Mm. were here and we said it's just ridiculous that the stock rally sell it. We talked about tangible book being $32. Wells trades at 1.6-ish when it was 50 Price to tangible book, which is rarefied air, only meant for J.P. Morgan. And Wells ain't no J.P. Morgan. And yet Tim Sloan stepped down after the New York Post runs an article about there's an open casting call for his job. So let's just all put it out there now. The problems at Wells are severe, I think, and it takes more than just him stepping down to make the stock go higher. But it's not a bad sign for Wells Fargo further from here, in my view, or the banking sector. So it has just retraced a a move that was probably an aberration of some kind. So if we look at banks, they've underperformed the S&P by 5.5%. Again, let's get back to the yield curve. I don't want to go to the the A-block conversation, but I'll just tell you, I think yields are over done here. And I do think that banks are overdone here relative to the S&P. Karen? I, I'm surprised they actually chose him in the first place, right? After yes. he was embedded in that, or seemed to be, he was certainly embedded Part of the in culture. that administration. Veteran. Right. Yeah. So that was surprising to me. He really did seem to have a chance to clean house, to, to you know, bring everything to the light. He could have done it all not on sort of his dime if he, if he announced we've had all kinds of problems that we didn't. So right. I'm surprised they had him. But I'm more afraid of who they pick off to run it. And I hope it's not Marianne Lake. 
Because that would be bad for JPM. Yeah, I wouldn't love that. Time for the final trade, Tim. Yeah, look at that chart at BA. It's held. That's Boeing at 365. I like it here. BK. Well, if you're going to uh, torch the dollar, then you might want to take a look at something like XME, Metals and Mining. That's the way to go. Karen. All that having been said about banks, I'd rather go with JP Morgan. There it is. Right here with the yield curve where it is. It's fine. BK is right. The only thing Mr. Cutler didn't have today was a blowtorch to a U.S. dollar. I'm with BK, Newmont Mining Melms. All right, that does it for us. See you back here Monday at 5. Don't move. Options action starts right after this break. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.